Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. You're listening to episode number 58. My name is Peter Thompson. I am here with Lambros Sirmos, Adi Bulubasis, and Costa Levoyanis. We are all in a, in a flow of emotions after the game we've just finished watching. Olympiakos scraping out a victory over PSV in the tie advancing to the Europa League round of 16. We lost this leg 1-2, but we got the goal that we needed by way of who else? Ahmed Hassan in the 88th minute, as he always does, scrapping away a goal in the box and helping us advance. We're all crazy, excited, full of emotions, thinking we were going out until the end, and then that crazy goal happened. Absolutely ridiculous game. We are very excited to provide post-game coverage for this game, and then we'll do a little bit of talking about uh, the next round, although, of course, we don't know who we're drawing yet. Before we do get into the game, a couple housekeeping things. We have finished recording our interview with Zay Elias. It was amazing, guys. Potentially our best interview yet. Give this one a listen. It will be out tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Friday, it will be out tomorrow on Saturday. We are so excited for you to hear this. Thank you, everybody, for sending us questions. We got to as many as we could. There were some great ones in there. It was a really fun time, and we're excited for you to hear it. Additionally, we've lined up our next special guest, Adonis Karpetopoulos. He's a radio personality for Sport FM in Greece. You can hear him on the radio talking about Olympiakos and Greek football all the time. He also does a great job blogging about the team. We'll be interviewing him in Greek. That will be out next Friday on March 5th. So if you speak Greek, of course, I will not be here for this interview. But if you do speak Greek, then you will enjoy that. And he's a very well-known figure in, uh, in the country of Greece. So we're really excited for that interview. Additionally, as always, we would like to say thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International. Piraeus International has been helping Greeks ship to and from the motherland during COVID-19. Shipments to Greece are going out from Baltimore, Maryland every month. Fill any large U-Haul box, 18 by 18 by 24, send it to our friends in Baltimore, and it will be shipped to the port of Piraeus for only $50. Better yet, fill any large wardrobe box and send it for $100. Give them a call at 410-675-4696 or send an email to sales at PiraeusINTL.com. All right, it's time to talk about this game, guys. Absolutely ridiculous. Olympiakos pulling out a goal at the end. It looked bleak in the first half, I have to say, but we pulled it out eventually. Some changes at halftime, particularly Fortunis coming on, really changed the game. Hassan comes on, scores the goal. Lavro, I'm going to go to you. You were full of emotion when this game ended, so much so that you had to go outside and take a little bit of walk and cool down. So I'll just go straight to you and let you, uh, let, you let loose here. What, what were your thoughts on the game? Okay, so it was it was a stack of emotions. I was upset at Jose Saw for the first goal, and I was at halftime. I did say Jose Saw maybe in the league should be riding the bench a little bit. And then Adi was like, "Calm down, you crazy maniac." Costa said the same thing. Like, you guys, you need to calm the hell down. I'll I'll say that in a PG way. Like, blah blah blah. I'm just like heart attack city in these games. I'm sorry, guys. Like in the chat, like I got the the heart in my throat, and I'm freaking out. And God dang it, today was a day like my roommate and a few people came over for dinner and they're like, oh, we'll watch this match with you, Labro. It's fine. Like you. And I told them, I said, like, I've known you people for like a year. Like, I don't know if we're here in this relationship for you to watch me watch either a Greek derby or a European match of Olympiacos. But these people suffered. They watched the game and they they were a bit freaked out out the door. I wish them well. I said, like, please be my friend in the future. I was freaking out. Thank God most of the, the words were in Greek. And yeah, let's just talk about the game now. That that's that's the emotional side. The game was was tough in the first half, man. Like the set pieces are a problem, you know. I don't know if Adi has a number of like how many goals we concede from set pieces compared to like open play, but it's gotta get up there. It was both set pieces. Zahavi header, Zahavi free kick. Yep. Like this is starting to be a problem. And again, it's like just like the first leg two goals that were just like almost fluky right like a, a a header from a corner and then a free like i i don't know i just 
anyway, there I, was I, nothing I fluky about that second. That oh, the second goal. goal! No, 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 no! I think gorgeous. That was so beautiful. And then Fortuny's almost answered with his own free kick. That was just as beautiful. Ah, oh. oh, and ah. Oh. Anyway, yeah, this Sahavi guy's a player. Where the hell has this guy been? Like, this guy's top. I was watching the game with a friend actually, and I was like, I want that guy on our team. Like, yeah, how old is he? How much is he worth? He's thirty-three. He's worth yeah. four point seven million. Okay, yeah, dream on. I don't think so, but wow, what a player he was. Yeah. I mean, it was basically really Biagos versus Zahavi the, the last two fixtures, wasn't it? He's, he scored all the goals, right? He, scored he did. Four goals. He God. did. I tweeded that yeah. out. It was yeah, Biagos versus him. He did. <laughs> We kept hearing about Malin this, Malin that. Zahavi was the danger man. But Lambra, I'm so glad you brought up the free kick issue. The free kicks, our defending on set pieces has been quite horrid. And it's not a thing we've dealt with all, se- all season. It's a pretty recent issue. And it starts with the game we had, our last game, right before the Christmas break against Larissa. That's where it started. And then the majority looks like almost 80% of the goals we've suffered since then and since the break have all been from set pieces. Something has happened here. I don't know what it is. I don't know what has changed in particular, but we have been extremely poor defending set pieces for going on almost three months now. It's pretty scary. Uh, the, like I mentioned, the Ladisa goal, the when we beat them five to one, that was off of a set piece. Uh, we didn't care at the time. We were destroying them. Who cares? But then the the game against Bauk, if you guys remember, the goal that they got was off of a corner kick. And the the initial corner kick was deflected out, but then it was played back in and they scored. Then there was the goal. When we played, it was two to one against, uh, or three to one against uh, Apollon Smirnis. And that was when the free kick came in. Ruben Semedo kind of like had like a crappy deflection. And then their two guys were crashing the net, scored off of that. Another set piece goal. Uh, Adis, of course. Uh, Banathinaikos, of course. Ike. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I thought, oh, did I miss Ike? Yeah, Ike as well. So I thought I mentioned Ike. I forgot them. Literally, there's only. One or sorry, including PSV, two goals that have been scored against us this season, not off of set pieces. It is absurd. I don't know what has changed. I didn't notice a, a, a difference in scheme when it came to marking all season. The scheme has been the same, but something is going on. Maybe it's communication. I have no idea what it is, but we are conceding set pieces at an extremely alarming rate. And it is something that really needs to be addressed. And we've been hearing for the last month and a half, oh, we're working on set pieces. We're working on set pieces. I am not buying it. Or if at least we are working on set pieces, then something's going wrong in training because we are conceding so many goals from set pieces and it shouldn't be happening. From Semedo's bad habits in the Greek league starting to show in Europe, especially with some of those offside traps. He is taking for granted the fact that somebody's going to get called offside. Listen, I don't care what you think is going to happen or what your perception is of the offside trap. Go and follow the guy until the whistle is blown. We almost copped a couple because of non-calls on offsides or at the very least late ones. Just, Just follow the guy. In Europe, we're not getting you're not likely to get some of those calls. A lot of these refs are just letting stuff go. So a lot of things we have to be wary of, especially as we go into the round of 16 against way better competition. Well, for the said pieces, the one thing I'll say, like the second goal obviously was just, you know, just a very well struck free kick. Of course you'd want to really try not to give away fouls in those reason regions, but you know, there wasn't much that could be done. Like certainly can't blame the goalkeeper. The first goal, like you can definitely blame saw. It was a slippery pitch to be fair to him. And so, you know, you could say that might be why he bobbled the ball, but like, you just got to save that. Unfortunately, now that being said, and and Costa brought this up as well. Like this is what happens um, when you use zonal marking 
like the way Zahavi was set up sort of farther away, like there wasn't really anyone paying attention to him. It's easier for him to sort of run in at the last second. And I guess like sort of the same thing is true with uh, Mauricio when Panathinaikos scored their first goal. Like you just have to have a guy following him around. Like he's there a, a big threat to score in those situations. You, I feel like you just need to, to commit to just man on man marking, at least uh, in some sense for those dangerous players. Like, I've seen zonal marking not work a lot of times. Of course, it's, it's, you know, harder to see when it does work because if it does work, you just clear the ball away, but I don't know. I'm not convinced by that, that type of marking. And it, it annoys me a bit. Uh, that's really the one thing that I have to say that like tactically annoyed me today. And it's weird, actually, you saw the PSV players, they tried to break the zonal marking from, um, from their corner kicks and the, Normally, the best way to do that is to not take a direct corner kick, but play the pass out to the winger and then, you know, try and disorganize the zone and then play the ball in after the after the dead ball situation. But when they did that, we managed to clear. And ironically, the one time that, well, that time that they didn't play the pass, but they played a direct corner kick, Zahavi comes in like a trailer and plays a bullet header. It goes straight into Saar and yeah, he he fumbles it. The ball the ball was wet, but it was straight at him, and you would expect him to to stop that. So it is what it is. It didn't cost us in the end, but I think there's a potentially a bigger problem there with the keeper. I think there's a lack of I, I might even call it lack of confidence. You saw him hesitating to come out uh, a couple of times during the game. I think there, were, there was one incident in the second half specifically where a cross came in and I think Marlon got in the way. They could have scored a third and you just you just see Saar come out and then stop and then go back. And when you see a keeper do that, something's wrong. Um, but I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sit here and bitch about Jose Saar right now. Uh, I think we have... You know, we have to be a bit more more positive instead of going into the negatives right now. But yeah, maybe it's time he got a couple of games on the bench. I don't know. Yeah, I just want to say, and when Adi brought up those uh, set-piece goals, it makes me think of Ike before Christmas break with the Levi Garcia almost like direct goal from a corner and Saw just played it poorly. Maybe that was the beginning of the week of weakening of confidence. And also, I don't I'd have to really look back at these, but... Maybe the lack of confidence in Saw is affecting these set pieces, whether he comes out. I remember, was it Luis from the the Portuguese reporter told us the thing about Saw was just like when the confidence left at Porto, it it was gone. And I remember him saying like they were surprised he was performing so well and that he was shot on confidence and he was kind of a nervous goalkeeper. Like, feel free to correct me, Adi, Peter, if that's wrong, but like, I remember him kind of saying, like, if the confidence goes, you're in trouble. And we were like, what confidence? There's no confidence problem. Like, Jose Sa has been great for two and a half years. Well, I'm I'm a bit worried. But that's well, the eccentricity as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Keeper. Yeah. And, I mean, it, what you said, Lambro, is like, and I, I don't have empirical backing for this, but it's very easy to imagine that if you're, if you know your goalkeeper is not confident or if you know your goalkeeper has made mistakes as a defender – you're maybe a bit less sure of yourself because you're a bit less sure of what your goalkeeper is going to do. So I personally think that's a really big factor. Like if you don't know if Sa is going to come out or not, that's going to affect the way you play. If you don't trust Sa to handle the ball, to be able to catch it without bobbling it, that's going to affect the way you play. I think the best is maybe just, yeah, give him a rest against Volos. Christensen from what we've seen hasn't been bad. So I'm not really worried about playing him against mid table, bottom table, Greek teams. You know, not a big deal. And maybe let Sa sort of think about what he's done and get some time off. Yeah, we have we have three three games left in the league before the playoffs. I don't know. Are there any derbies left in that? I don't believe no, so. I but Ike. Asking, we have Ike. Okay. Do we? Wait, we played Ike twice. Last no, game. no, no. Really? We played, oh, no. We is that then the first game of the playoffs? Nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe first. I'd have to look, but I don't think we have a derby i don't know that's no, something it's, pull up it's, really easy. it's larissa it's volos Volos is the next game yeah and yeah. is it lamia again 
maybe La Mia at home, Larisa away. Yeah, it's Volos La Mia at home. Away, That's right. right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a few road games like Christensen too. Like Larisa fans loved him. Like I, I see people calling for Zolakis. Maybe I, I just don't think he's ready. Like this is you're gonna let Zolakis like go out there and just destroy his confidence at 18 years old. I don't know. Did we forget the cup game, uh, the second, the second half, second leg of the cup game against the Adis? That's yeah, that we have that coming yeah. up. Is that next week? Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, next week. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. They were they were discussing like when to move that game as well because there was like some scheduling conflicts with the Europe and blah blah blah. So I I don't know when. I don't know. Schedule's so. always a mess. I hope I so know. because we're gonna play now. So we we just played today. Obviously, we're gonna play again on Monday, and then we would play against Adis as it's scheduled. I think it's Thursday, not Wednesday. It's crazy. So that means we're literally we're playing three games in seven days. That's a game every other day. It's a, it's a little too much, you know. But I mean, I hope that I hope that that's the case and it gets rescheduled. But I mean, if not, then we just have to manage with what we've got. It's been like that all season. Yep. I can't I can't remember when we haven't played a game every three game every three days this season. Yeah. I mean I know it's part crazy. of it's because of COVID. You know, COVID messed the schedules up for everybody. Um and obviously another part of it is also you're never ever expect Epo to do anything proactive. I know that a lot of people are going to say, Oh, a lot of leagues are dealing with this. That's actually not true. If you've looked at the formats for how uh, other see other divisions, other like the Spanish league, the premier league, everybody has some bungled schedules, but they're doing it a little bit better and spacing the games apart between people, between teams that have European competition way better than we are. But of course we're never going to have, you can never expect that Epo is going to, especially with Ramenos at the head to ever do anything that's more proactive or to try and benefit us, at least in Europe, just forget about it. Well, looking at the uh, going back to the the PSV game, you know, I think a big turning point was was halftime when we came out and made two changes to start the second half. Masuras coming on for Valbuena, but more importantly, Fortunis coming on for Buhalakis, going to the four two three one with Mari and and Vila as the two uh, defensive midfielders there. And Fortunis, he looked great. Uh, I, I'd say this is maybe the best we've seen him play in, in some time. And it was when we needed him most. So that just goes to show you that, you know, he, he can really show up in these big moments, uh, despite what some people might say about him. He had the cross into El Arabi that resulted in El Arabi miss or not missing, but having his header saved and then bobbling and Hassan picking it up and scoring the goal. So I don't know if that goes down as a second assist, but I mean, he got in that position and put in the pivotal ball that resulted in us scoring a goal. So clearly uh, he was involved going by everybody left and right. Uh, for me, he looks great. Uh, I, I'm assuming everyone is just going to agree, but um, I think it just needs to be mentioned how, how valuable he was for us today. Cosas Fortunis was magic tonight, guys. Like every time he got on the ball, you felt like he was going to do something. He was going by people. He was playing beautiful passes, beautiful cross. And he needs to play this this guy is in his prime he is so good he is so good i just like he i felt like we were being carried by him in that second half and if the goal was going to come it was going to come off something he made or he did and every time he, he he's one of those players every time he gets on the ball you just you get out of your seat or you lean in a little closer to watch because he's like magic on the ball guys i just I don't even I even Balbuena doesn't give that to me. Like even as such a good player he is, Fortuny's just his magic. And tonight was just a different, different level from him. And he needs to play. I think he needs to play. I, I just I don't know how we're gonna do this moving forward. I don't know what you guys thought, but he was just for me, it was just amazing tonight. He was, but uh there also needs to be another shout out, guys. And Lambro might not agree because I know the guy scares him, but Usainu Ba, ba deserves ba, a shout ba. out. Ba yes. was fantastic tonight. I mean, it's he I was... need all the crow. I'm so I <laughs> that was that was an amazing performance. Danya Malin is, is still trying to get out of his pocket. Like that was beautiful from Don <laughs> Wait, from Ba. Before like, we praise Ba, I just need to say like this Daniel Malin guy, like oh Wonder Kid. Wonder kid, Arsenal made a mistake letting him go. 
Is this guy better than Eddie Nketiah? Let's be honest. Like, oh he my is, God, Peter he is with the overrated. Take. Like this man, he hit the post once and did nothing else. All he did was flop his ugly hair around, trying to be easy E out there with his stupid haircut, looking ugly as hell. Didn't do anything on the pitch. Just whined and complained about fouls. Made Zahavi do everything. This guy, I don't want to hear any more wonder kid, like prospect. He's not cutting it at a big club. He is a Dutch player. Like this guy scores 20 goals in the Netherlands because everyone scores 20 goals in the Netherlands. Like Yakumaki is so much better than this kid. I don't want to hear anything about Daniel Malin. Hot like, takes. He can, he can just go. He's just an irrelevant player. He's going to either go to the Premier League and just be nothing or spend the rest of his life in PSV. But anyway... More, let's go back to being positive. Hold on. Hold, no, 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 no. We're, just, we're not moving on from that. What a rant for <laughs> Peter, everyone. Jesus Christ. Oh that my kid was God. pissing like, me off, man. I can't, also, I can't be like, asked with Dutch. I am half Dutch that the audience knows for my sake and like my Dutch friend's sake, we don't want to watch Ryan Bobble for like 75 minutes in the European <laughs> Championships. So, Danielle Malin, my friend, please turn into a footballer. You His- heard it here. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Peter Thompson just ripped Daniel Marlin a new asshole. <laughs> PSV, they literally, I swear, they had like they had the fullbacks and Zahavi. And I guess their goalkeeper, I mean, he was he was fine, I guess. Like the rest of their team was pretty darn underwhelming. Like Goatsai, I know he's coming back from injury. Not not much from him. Anyway, we can talk about Ba now. I'm I'm, well, I'm done talking about Marlin. Well, speaking speaking to that, tactically, PSV's approach the game, I think about as well as they could have by by elevating the wing backs and playing with the back three creating extra width especially on our left side oleg continued to find himself in a position where he was he was marking two people he was doing what he correctly should have been doing which was mark the inside man and leave the outside guy put the risk out there but it took about 20 minutes for Martins to make the adjustment to pull our wingers back and have them sit deeper so that we wouldn't be so threatened on those outside positions. So credit to them tactically, they approached the game from a better perspective, at least than we did. So I'll, I'll give them the props there. But they covered their they covered their defense very well uh, to try and not be exposed to the transition and the counter attack with the three at the back and then I think I think you're right that was that was unexpected because he rarely changes that four two 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 formation and so it was a bit of a you know out of left field I think from him to try that three five two but. Um, it's interesting, actually, it leads me to, to something that we saw a lot on social media at halftime. Everybody was banging on about the tactics and, oh, Martins has got it wrong. He's uh, parking the bus again. It's like, really? Do we think he parked the bus? Because I thought in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, it's the first game I've seen us since, you know, since this European campaign started that we've actually been confident on the ball had the possession uh, I don't know I don't I don't think we we parked the bus I think there was a natural inclination as as Ari said to bring the bring the wingers back and tell them to come a bit deeper because we were getting exposed on the wings but I think yeah I I thought it was a bit much saying that we we parked the bus no, you're you're absolutely right. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. I could I couldn't be bothered to deal with half of the halftime comments I was reading because so many of them were just absolute nonsense. We did not park the bus and I can't wait till the data populates and I'll cuz I'm going to throw it all out there. And of course people are going to get upset and say, "Oh, you didn't watch the game. The the data doesn't tell you the real thing." Bullshit. In the beginning, the first 10 minutes, it was all us. Even first 15 minutes, we were moving well. The game plan was going our way. The idea was to soak pressure up, bring bring the extra width in to give us space on the counter. Did it work beyond the first 10, 15 minutes? No, because they did much better 
getting staying in there maintaining possession and continuing the attacks it got to the point where we were forced to pull the wing backs back now you can make the argument that by doing that we were inviting more pressure it's a bit of a double-edged sword because we were getting attacked odd men mainly on our left side but also to an extent on the right oleg found himself in odd man situations constantly and it was troubling because they were getting down that end there were free kicks coming from that end corners what have you so martins did in the short term he took the more conservative approach which was to drop the wing backs deep or sorry drop the wingers deeper and then the hope was we could still build in transition unfortunately we couldn't some players struggled in that transition coming that deep and getting further forward so it didn't work maybe as well as we would have expected. But tactically speaking, Martins didn't make a bad decision. The problem was mainly from the set pieces. I mean, if you, if you don't have a proper strategy or a successful strategy for dealing with set pieces, I'm sorry, guys. There's no game plan in open play that's going to save you. You have to be competent at defending set pieces. And we already brought up the statistics before. And we've tweeted them out also. Nine goals of the 12 goals scored against us. We're, I'm going to say it again. Nine of the 12 scored against us since December 20th, 2020. Set pieces. Don't care what your strategy is for the game in open play. If you can't, mark men on set pieces it doesn't matter guys we're greeks we all should know how this works do you guys remember the fernando santos era half the goals we scored were all off of set pieces it doesn't matter what your philosophy is if you can't mark or do well on set pieces it goes out the window that's how defensive teams win these games that's how they progress Something has to be done. But to say that Martins got this game all wrong, we can make arguments here and there about things, disagreements about. I'm not saying that he was infallible. There was stuff he did get wrong. But the tactics overall were not the problem. It was a reaction to a bigger problem that probably would have resulted in a goal had we not addressed the issue. Honestly, what the hell was Martin supposed to do coming off of last week? What what are these like tactical masterclass people saying? Like that four three three worked perfectly well to me. I don't know. I I don't know what they expected. We played again re really well, as you said in the first fifteen minutes. Thing is, these people who called for Martins to leave, these are not Olympiacos fans, and I'm gonna put it out there right now. These people watch us in Europe when it's politically convenient or. I shouldn't say politically, just convenient for themselves. They claim their Olympiacos just for the credit, and that's it. You know what? Do not talk about Coach Martin's one. I remember the dark years. I don't know about these people, Paolo Bento, Hasi. I don't – I remember how we played football. How do you think would Paolo Bento's team would have done tonight? How do you think Besnik Hasi's team would have played tonight? Like, these people are clowns. And I and I, I read another another guy who said – Pedro Martins is still on thin ice tonight after the poor result against Aris and Panathinaikos and a poor result tonight. Get lost. You're a clown. You know nothing about Olympiacos is the first thing. I'm not going to say names, but that is clown behavior. Like, I, I just, I'm not here for it. Like, I, I am one of the most reactionary people. I get upset about things. But I have some perspective about this football team and Coach Martins, and I have all the respect for him. And I tweeted myself, Coach Martins can stay at this club forever. I could care less. He could stay forever. I enjoy Olympiacos. We are how many points clear in the league? We are playing fantastic football. We're in a round of 16 of the Europa League, people. Like, this is, this is an accomplishment for our club. Like, come on now. I, I don't know. Anyway. Well, I agree with everything you and Adi just said. First of all, like the, okay, zonal marking, I don't like. And that's like a one thing that, you know, if we, we were to not do that, I think that would be better. I will concede that, you know, as Adi said, like Rogar Schmidt, despite the fact that he's a clown for some of the comments he made after last week's game, like, oh, let's see what happens when you come to Eindhoven. No, you want, you, you're going home, shut up. But anyway, um, 
like he he did a good job ta- like the the 352 i think worked really well in the first half like aside from the first 15 20 minutes when we were into it like they were playing very good football the fullbacks were looking dangerous you know that that is the center of their team that's where they like to play and they were getting what they wanted the second half they still were getting a bit of the ball but we were just more active we were more successful in our positional attacks and our counters and, you know, you could say that's just because of Fortunis coming in, you know, having a big impact. But still, I think PSV played pretty well tactically, as Adi said. Martins, yeah, they're, you know, he's not getting an A-plus coach's grade today, but he's not. You're, you're crazy if you want to sack him. Like, look at every other club in Greece, folks. Like, Falk, Abel Ferreira, say what you want about him. Like, yes, they bottled games. Yes, they, like, didn't win the league last year, and they're not going to win the league this year okay, you sack him. Like now you've got Pablo Garcia. Like all this man does is talk and not back it up. Like he doesn't do anything. How did, how did firing the manager work out for them? Like, I don't like Sir Alex Ferguson in his prime is not walking through that door. Like we're not going to just be able to like replace Martins with like a top manager. Like who are you finding that's better than Pedro Martins? Look at what he's done to our club and is still doing for our club. Like we still have a good chance at advancing to the quarterfinals of the Europa League or potentially even further depending on who we draw like we're in a very good spot it was not the ideal game today like I was going to be very upset if we lost but you were not going to catch me calling for Martin's head if we lost the game today like it he is not like the reason that you know we're we're having a bad performance like there were so many other factors and it's just like very shallow an unformed to claim that like he is the reason that he needs to go like I just can't hear that I think we can say that Schmidt got it right with the 352 and that kind of disorganized us somewhat or you know I don't think it was in the script when we did our when we did our tactical plan going into the game and the only chance we really created in the first half was the Bremer chance which was a, a fantastic pass by Lala down the line to to camera who had made the run the cutback and then that piece of skill that that left Dumfries you know completely lost in the box and then Bremer had space to take that shot and he dragged it wide with his left foot and I think that was our best chance in the first half it's the only real time that we successfully had a nice transition down the wing and you know got close to the box and got a shot away the other chance was El Arabi header I think that was not really a yeah went not, wide. You know, like a like a half chance but then credit to Martins he changed it up drastically at the beginning right at the beginning of the second half by bringing off uh it was Bukalakis he bought off and and Valbuena and he changed it to 4-2-3-1, that attacking formation that we're used to seeing in the Greek league when he plays Madi and uh, Mvila in the midfield and Fortunis ahead of them. And he gave Fortunis the freedom. And Fortunis does, well, he did what Fortunis does. He he got the ball, he was direct, he, he sprayed the ball out to the wings, uh, he ran at people. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for him as well because been hearing a lot of about Fortunis not turning up in the big games like Fortunis turned up today and that cross that and that play down the left-hand side is something we saw in the previous game again MV's goal the th- the the goal from outside the box is again coming from a, a play down the left-hand side if I'm not mistaken from a from a Fortunis run or at least if it wasn't the third goal it was the fourth in the last game it's something he's done before uh i'm i'm happy for him he 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 showed up in the second half and he took us by the hand but but again this whole tactical discussion about martins he changed it he he took the risk at the beginning of the second half and we created much more chances uh, we we hit the post twice so okay of course coach is never perfect but but i i agree with what peter said as well it's like Guys, seriously, like people calling for his head at halftime, clowns. Yeah. Now, remember, Sabracos also had a, a statement that I found very insightful. And he said the coaches make the big bucks because they have to make the decisions before and during the game. They don't, you know, they, there's no decisions they make after the game in that respect because they have to do it while everything's happening. 
we can critique because we see the data, we see what happened, and we can say what he did wrong and everything after the fact, after it's been settled. But he has to make those decisions during. So when you're there and you're seeing it happen, your adrenaline's pumping, you have to make changes, there's pressure on you, you're going to do what you're comfortable with. And we know he's more conservative in that respect. So seeing the change he made in the first half, no surprise. But the fact that he came out guns blazing at halftime made the proper offensive changes, and then continued to do so. He didn't just do it and then say, oh, I'll throw on a more defensive guy here. He didn't, he, he didn't just kind of like do whatever and hope for the best. No. Adruzos came on. Attacking options came on. And then guess what? We got the goal, immediately locks it up with Socrates coming in for El Arabi, employing an extra defender to close the game out. There was purpose with everything. And as much as we may disagree with certain things he does, his tactics are usually pretty good. And a couple other things, um, and, and Lambro, you might not have liked this, but you may have noticed Lazar was ready to come on as well, which was another like, it, I mean, look, we know Lazar, he's not, he probably wasn't going to score a goal himself given his recent form, but the, we, were run, we were doing a lot of countering in the second half. And a lot of it was through Fortunis you know, taking the ball and, and just getting up the pitch. Like that was decent game script for Lazar. It has to be said. Uh, I, I wasn't really sure where he was going to come on. Maybe I guess for El Arabi and then move Hassan up further up the pitch. I, but it doesn't matter. Um, he eventually did not come in because we scored a goal and Martins obviously decided let's go with Socrates. Very happy to see Socrates on the pitch. Um, I, not sure he would have started today if he was fully fit, but I'm glad the injury sustained over the weekend is not super serious. And yeah, um, I hope Jan van Schip was watching today's game and saw Kostas Fortunis is a big player. He can carry a team when you need him to. He can do it in these big moments. He also, for what it's worth, um, you mentioned Costa, him coming up the left side. Like he was, it seems like he's maybe even learning to adapt to a role as a winger a little bit better as well. Cause you know, Martins likes to play in there sometimes and he likes to drift central still was drifting central a bit, but it's almost like he's starting to learn that position a little bit more, which is, is kind of interesting to see and, and might be good for him down the road. And with that, I feel like we have to say it like Hassan, shall we get into that? Uh, Costa has the beautiful name of Hassan. I, I don't know if I can read that for the, the Greek-speaking audience. <laughs> Hassan Sazagamai. Yeah, okay, 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 we can say it. And, um, and so, obviously, I'm very critical of Hassan, and I was very upset about after the Panathinaikos game. But before all of that, when we drew PSV, PSV and I was... I, I thought he would play a role off the set pieces or or some sort of thing and coming on as a sub because this is a big, strong guy and these are not big, strong central defenders. But I was not expecting a rebound. That is what we call the classic Hilal Sudani goal. Like, we have yep. been missing that for how long, guys? Like, And Hassan did it. He never does it. Crash the goal. Does. Crash the keeper. I couldn't believe my eyes. Like, I was, like, stunned. I, okay, first I was, like, in jubilation, but then I was, like, thinking, like, Hassan just scored a rebound. Like, hello, Sudani before he left was just like, I will teach you my ways. Like, I, he I don't scored know, goes like that before. But he like, scored goes like that before. I don't know, but like that was sometimes just... he just stands still in moments like that, though. Yeah, but <laughs> he said like, <laughs> there, there's like a perfect opportunity for him to run behind, and he's just like, oh, what's oh, oh, <laughs> wait, didn't notice how, the ball there. <laughs> how about that sexy Hassan dribble on the left side? Yes, yes he, he actually he, that he was nutmeg, nice. Did he not make the defender and on his cut Yeah, that was and, nice as hell. And actually, then after he made the one move, and then he lost the ball. I actually thought he got fouled and he should have been called for a foul there when he made the first move to cut in and the second defender, he actually mm. nutmeg the defender, but then gets like pushed. There was, that should have been a foul. I was like, Oh my God, is this Hassan? Since when can he actually take players? No, on? it's Zlatan is this guy? in disguise. The Egyptian like, Zlatan has returned. God damn. And people were saying like, is he the most clutch Olympiacos player like ever? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes maybe like oh my god like what are hopefully these isn't listening hopefully matt darvisher isn't listening to these <laughs> well, I don't know. like 
He, I love Steven Koduru says this on Twitter all the time. He is the best worst player ever. And you know what? I just love it. I'm just, I'm going to enjoy it. There are times where it frustrates the hell out of me. And I'm like, who the, why the hell do we have this guy here? Oh, a couple good goals here, but this is why, this is why you have him because he is clutch. That's it. You know what? We're going to enjoy it. That's what he's here for. We still need another striker, but you know what? We, we have him for these situations. Enjoy it while he's here. Um, Let's let's get into Wait, man of the match. Peter, can I make one shout out? One okay. shout out. One last, last shout out. Oleg Rayupchuk, not dropping the f bomb. Baller, my man. This guy is. Oh my god. Is he In your man of the match? Two months. This man has won my heart. Like, <laughs> I love this guy. Like, I one I have forgotten Chimikas a little bit, and two I've forgotten Kutris, who was my first love. Like, I always loved Kutris. Like, I love you, Oleg Rayupchuk. Like. All the credit to this guy. I, I, anyway, yeah, let's do man of the match anyway. Well, Lambro, since you've, I mean, I love Oleg just as much as you do, but why don't you, why don't you give your man of the match? Is he your pick, or are you going with with your uh, guy Hassan? Nah, man. The, the the guy who changed the game was Fortunis. The guy who made me believe that we could do it all the way until the end was Kostas Fortunis. Even so, I was at halftime. I thought we were dead in the water, but during that second half. It was just Fortunis getting on the ball and Fortunis running and Fort. He just has it, man. He has it, and he's my man of the match. Without Fortunis, there's no win tonight and n- no goal. And yeah, incredibly happy with him. And again, I'm gonna give Martins a B plus one for one reason. This three five two has come out of nowhere, and I bet you Payas Vey and the Dutch fans are happy with that. And I think they may move forward with that because. Rosario and Sangare, Sangare in the midfield in that four triple two is mediocre. We saw that in uh, in Greece, and I think moving Rosario to the central defender position and Sangare to play as the single central defensive midfielder with Kota and another attacking midfielder next to him, that could be the money ticket for them in the Netherlands. And maybe they go on to push for the Eredivisie now. I think there's like six, seven points back. Let's see. But anyway, yeah, Coach Martin's B plus he. He reacted and saw and brought on the good subs and chances were made, guys. We hit the post twice. The team was making chances. I have nothing else to say. He he he. It was it was a decently coached game in that that second half. He reacted. Yeah, I'm gonna say B plus as well. B B plus. Yeah, like we said, not a perfect game for him, but like folks, I mean, if you think that his tactics were poor, if you think. If you're giving him, let's say, a D or an F today, I'm sorry. I don't know what game you watched. And, and, you know, we talked about this already, so I'm not going to get into it. But all the things he tinkered and adjusted, even just some tiny things that, like, I didn't even notice that Adi discussed. Like, yes, I don't like the first goal. I think the first goal can be owed to, you know, some of some to him in some degree. But it's a B plus for me. Man of the match, there are many good candidates. Oleg is a candidate for me. Obviously, you, Hassan has to be mentioned. I'm not going to give it to him because he was only on the pitch for a little bit. The, the, two, the two players for me are, are Fortunis and Ba. And I think I have to give the slight edge to Fortunis here. Ba was fantastic, but Fortunis, as we said, he changed the game. When he came in, the game changed and when we scored the goal it was him getting in that position putting in a very nice cross for El Arabi to get a good header on target and Hassan to pick up the scraps eventually so Gostas Fortunis take a bow my son you absolute legend you you deserve a man of the match award today okay giving man of the match today is somewhat unfair to one person I feel um, I think Bar was fantastic today. Uh, it's not a breakout performance, but one of those performances that just upped his price tag big time. So there's another transfer above 15 million in the pocket for sure after that performance. Fortunis for sure had a massive impact on the game today. You can't not talk about Hassan's impact as well. He's He's got the goal that's essentially helped us to qualify. But 
I'm going to give it to Maddy. I think Maddy was just everywhere during the first half. He was he was he was everywhere, just like all over the pitch, machine, box to box, hit the post. He played he played the full game, didn't he? He played the full game, and I, I have to give it to him, pure and simple, because he was he was there on the pitch the entire game. He carried us in the first half. You know, he tried to he tried to lead on the pitch. So I think it's unfair to the others, but I give it to him because he was on the pitch the entire game. Because I think this is like the third or fourth time you've like stolen my thunder with with some of these like out of nowhere man of the match against the grain a little bit. I, it was funny because I was going to say, I was thinking to myself, look, I, I wonder if Ari and I are on the same <laughs> page again. <laughs> Because he, and now he didn't have the best of starts either. He had some struggles, but then as the game wore on, he did improve. He got better. He got better evading uh, other the press. It's, you know the midfielders and defenders as they tried to close him down. He did his job pressing and on the other end of the ball, he was all over the place and confused the announcer. The CBS announcer kept thinking Bruma was Madi. Madi was all over the place. Like you know, I mean, when Madi's everywhere, I guess it's easy to mistake people for him. But Mari, I thought, had a great job. Huge shout out to Fortunis as well. Costa, you already made Mari your man of the match, so now it's not special anymore. I'm not, I'll just go with Fortunis because it, it just has to be said. Fortunis came on the pitch, and then him doing the things he did with the ball, drawing extra players to him, also gave Mari some more space. Because when Mari was playing in that, in the, you know, in the 4 3 3, we always talk about how he, he's further up the pitch. But then on the defensive end, he comes all the way back. But when Costa came in and now all of a sudden PSV is adjusting their game plan for him, it opened Madi up a little bit. It opened Mvila up a little bit. The other midfielders, I should say. It opened them up. And that's what you want. And you could tell. You can tell PSV has a game plan when Fortunis is on the field. The shape changes. They devote more manpower to him. All of this makes a huge difference. And when we talk about man of the match, it is the player that puts us in the best position to win. Doesn't take anything away from the goal that Hassan scored because somebody actually has to score for us to do for, for us to go forward. So yeah, huge shout out to Hassan. He's definitely a runner up for that, but you need somebody that makes that spark that, that can win games. Fortunis is a player that wins games. He elevates your team to win games. So in this case, also because Costa took my thunder, I'm going with Costa's man of the match. B plus for Martins as well. I thought overall he was okay. I understood the reactionary tactics, even though they didn't really work 100% to close out the first half. What else? What else could we have done? If the set piece, if the set piece marking is bad, Martins can't play on the field and coach the team too. He, the guy's too old, so you can only do so much. The players have to do the rest. So B plus for Martins for me, and man of the match goes to Fortuny. Shout out to John Van Ship. Don't forget to play Bacasetas behind the striker. It's what we're gonna it's see. Too early for that. It's not Savelas, Savelas and Hatsidiakos. Don't oh, get me started on this whole Manolas discussion. Okay. Oh, let's no, not. No, let's no. not. Not now. No. Anyway, well, let's not at let's one get in the morning into after a so win. Let's stay positive. We are into the uh, the Europa League round of sixteen. The draw, I believe, is Friday. So you'll probably be listening to this. Uh, the draw may have happened already when this comes out, but we, of course, don't know. Uh, there are 15 teams, of course, that we can face, and I will read them out, and we will you know, discuss maybe some options that we want, some options that we don't. So we've got AC Milan. We've got Ajax. We've got Arsenal. Watch us draw Arsenal again. We've got Norwegian side Molde. We've got Granada which if you remember, they, they played Pauk twice and couldn't even beat them once. Maybe that's a team that we want to run up against. We've got Rangers from Scotland. We've got Shakhtar Donetsk from Ukraine. We've got Villarreal from Spain. We've got Roma. We've got Young Boys from Switzerland. We've got Dynamo Kiev flashbacks. Hopefully, we just don't have to go to Kiev. I don't want to deal with that, even though we're probably a better team on paper than they are. We've got Dynamo Zagreb from Croatia. 
Slavia Prague from the Czech Republic, Manchester United, who I think are probably the best team left in the field. And then we've got Spurs. So for me, the, the names that pop out on that list are, are Molde, who they, they got here by beating Hoffenheim. So they're no scrubs, you know, uh, they, they've not got a super easy route, but I think we would have a, a good time against them. Uh, Slavia Prague, they actually beat Leicester City, to be fair to them, to advance here, but um, we haven't had much trouble with the Czech League. We played Victoria Pluzen a year ago, and it wasn't very difficult. And then Dinamo Zagreb, uh, you know, another team I don't really know that much about, but I can't envision them being that much of a problem. Those are kind of the three teams that I highlighted that maybe we would want, maybe also Granada. But, you know, of course, we're going to draw United or Arsenal uh, or maybe Spurs. It, it is what it is. They, they love seeing us losing and, and playing against the best teams. But um, we'll see. Listen, if we draw young boys, I'm going to be in burn for that game. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to, like, call up every Swiss connection I have, and I'm going to be in the stadium for that. I will take the train. So young boys is a good shout for me. Um, I have a lot of Italian friends and they're Roma fans. I, I saw, I was doing the online class and uh, I saw uh, the Italian guy with his like Roma jumper on for the game today with his Roma flag in the background. I was like, my background's better than yours with my Olympiaco shirts. So anyway, Roma could be, it, these are teams I don't want. Young boys is a very good team. Roma is a very good team, but like just fun ones, I guess. Again, no Manchester United, please. No Arsenal. But out of those big teams, Peter, AC Milan are they're focusing full. Serie A. I, I don't think their heart is in, in this competition. If we're going to pull a big team, I would take AC Milan. And we have a nice relationship with them as well, we can say. Huh? So, yeah, I guess other than the few you listed, AC Milan maybe is like a team I would take. No Spanish teams. I want no Spanish teams. We don't match up well against Spanish teams at all. Wait, also, a... Ruben Semedo can't play if we go to Spain. Exactly. Wait, yeah. Oh, he my God. I didn't realize can't that. Travel to <laughs> yeah, we Spain. don't want Granada. I'm, I'm no. mistaken. <laughs> I totally yeah, forgot Peter, about you, that. you got my thunder God before damn I got it. there. Yeah, <laughs> no, no Spanish teams. No Grenada. Nothing. Don't care. No Villarreal. Nothing. We traditionally don't match up well against them, and Ruben can't travel there. So no, thank you. Uh, there's, you know, there's Italian teams. I've always preferred Italian teams. I think we match up better against them. Um, so I don't mind necessarily matching up against them. Um, the Slavic teams, uh, I don't mind matching up against them either. I think it would be very interesting. Obviously, just because of the star power that the, the British teams have, those are always going to be difficult. But I do envision a fun scenario between us and Arsenal. I don't know. You know what I mean? We took Socrates. Maybe Socrates gets a set-piece header on them, too. We finish them off. Then that small club goes back. Maybe some of their players want to come to Olympiacos, leave the small club for a club with some better European pedigree. I don't know. You know, maybe just Saka. Saka coming uh, in on a bargain would be. Huge. I'm just kidding. We, they, we find uh, our star winger. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm definitely kidding. Right now, that that uh, Saka Obama uh, Yang link up is scary. I don't know if you guys watched the game earlier today, but they linked up for two goals. I mean. Alba's a, a freaking amazing player, amazing talent. I really would not prefer not to go up against them, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I also don't like going up against Ukrainian teams because I just feel like I've had, we've had so much heartbreak. Uh, not forget Shakhtar guys. Do you guys remember Metalist? I mean, that was 10 years ago. It still haunts me to this day, you know, uh, Kiev, Dynamo Kiev, forget it. So, you know what, we'll see what happens, but, that's what I don't want to see. I hate those Ukrainian teams so much. Dynamo Kiev, I feel like, in that like Olympic stadium. <laughs> Kostas born into an IX jumper. I don't know about that. I just really want, before Kostas says his teams, I really want to say our stadium looked beautiful tonight in that Arsenal-Benfica game. Like To think our national team plays at literally a second division stadium down the street. When we have this beautifully fine cut grass, just beautiful stadium. It looked amazing tonight. I don't know if they did a little extra, but anyway, just I 
I, I noticed that immediately while watching that Arsenal game tonight before. I don't know, guys. I just have this feeling that last year we had two British teams, and I think this year we're going to have two Dutch teams to beat. Oh. I have a feeling. I have a feeling it's going to be another red and white affair. Oh, so Chuck, Chuck Curdy, you're putting us against Chuck, our favorite, our favorite non-Greek listener. Well, I guess Peter, you're, you, you know, you're a host. You don't count as a listener, but yeah. our favorite non-Greek listener, Chuck. Well, I mean, guys, it has to be said, like, and I hate to, you know, be like doom and gloom here, but we kind of scraped by PSV by one goal at the last second. Ajax are better than PSV unequivocally. And they got past Lille, who, if you haven't been following the French League, they're actually competing with PSG PSG for the top of the French League. So, like, that, they're... Ajax just beat a team that is out there competing with Neymar and Mbappe in France. So they're no joke. You know, maybe they're not as good as the Ajax of old with, uh, with Van de Beek and De Jong and De Ligt. But I, I would be worried about Ajax. Arsenal would be funny for the banter, but I think I, that's not a, a matchup I would want. But to, to allude to something our special guest, Zay Elias, told us and just a preview if you will for for when that comes out it doesn't matter who it is it's 11 versus 11 we're in the last 16 it's football it's 90 minutes anything can happen as long as we believe when we go out on the pitch i truly believe that so I, this team is a solid unit and the coach knows the team so well now. And you see it in the changes that he makes and the impact that the, that the changes have. So, okay, I'm not going to say I don't care who it is. Yes, I'd like to avoid English teams. Yes, I'd like to avoid Spanish teams. Yes, I don't want to play against Ukrainian teams. But... we if If we want to progress, we just have to go out there, whoever it is, take it as it comes um so i think it will be ajax i wouldn't mind molde we're young boys but then you could say our guard our guard is down when we play against teams like that because then you're in the position of a favorite and the pressure's on you and if you don't beat a team like that mm, it's always going to come back to bite you when you're playing against the bigger opponent and you're the underdog, it's normally the position that a Greek team or well, Greeks like to be in going in as David versus Goliath and being the underdog. I think it would be fun to, you know, get a team <clears throat> on the level of PSV. Like we're not going in complacent, but it's also not like ridiculous in the sense of like, having to play against Man United is a bit ridiculous, I think. I mean, we could we could win, of course, but uh, we are at quite a disadvantage financially. But anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll be tweeting about on at Gate7INTL on Twitter when, uh, when the draw comes out and we'll have our reactions. And next time we record, we'll be talking about it more as well. But before we do wrap up, we do want to go over a coefficient update after today's European matches. Bad news, folks, unfortunately. Obviously, we're very happy about Greece having gone through, but Olympiakos did lose this game for what that is worth. And at this stage of the Europa League, there is no extra bonus for going through. You just get a bonus for winning or drawing the games. <clears throat> so I think the bonuses start once you qualify for the quarterfinals, but for this round, there's no bonus. So because of that, Greece have dropped to 20th place in the coefficient. The reason for this is because basically the worst possible situation happened today. Young boys, Swiss team won. Zagreb, Croatian team won. Prague, Czech team won. All of those teams are still in. Additionally, Red Star drew against Milan, but they have gone out. It's not really a big deal. Serbia would have been ahead of us anyway. But it was a rough day for the coefficient, it has to be said. Of course, we're hoping we can continue to add more points. But, I mean, young boys, Zagreb and Prague all also have the opportunity to add those points on. So it's unfortunate that we have to be competing against them. And also, it has to be said, Norway are 22nd. They're a bit far behind. But if Molde somehow pick up a couple wins, we might have to start worrying about them as well. But looking at the numbers right now, 
we have in 14th place, Denmark are on 27.875 points. All of their teams are out. 15th is Cyprus with 27.75. Remember, we want to be at that 15th spot so we can get that extra team in Europe. 16th is Serbia, 26.75. As I mentioned, Red Star getting the draw, but they're out. 17th is Switzerland, 26.225, thanks to young boys. Croatia are in 18th with 25.675. The Czech Republic are in 19th with 25.600. And we are in 20th with the same total. Now, I actually don't know uh, if there's a reason that the Czech Republic are listed ahead of us, if there's some sort of tiebreaker there, but we are currently listed in 20th. We will, of course, have the opportunity to move ahead. And, you know, if we get better results than Prague in the next round, we will move ahead. But unfortunate for the coefficient today. The, the tiebreaker is the number of points, coefficient points the country has earned in the current year. So we have technically only earned 4.7 total coefficient points this year, whereas the Czech Republic has accumulated 5.6 coefficient points. So they get the tiebreaker because they've earned more coefficient points this season. Now, some people have been asking, well, you know, there's no difference between 18 and 20 in terms of the UEFA spots, uh, which is true. So there's no difference. There's going to be no change whether we finish 18th, anything after 15th, there's basically no change. So that is very true. However, this is going to impact where we start from next season. So the idea is we're not, the, the, the odds are we're not going to get to that 15th spot this season. It's just most likely not happening. I'm, I'm sorry, not to sound defeatist. It's just, it just is, it's probability. The idea always has been that we get ourselves into a good enough position to where we can compete next season and get the coefficient up from next season to benefit the following seasons. It's more of a long-term play here. If we look at how the coefficient table is playing out for next season, here's how it is going from that 15th to 20th spot. Switzerland, as of right now, would be starting off with 21.925. Croatia, 20.550. Turkey, has dropped all the way down with terrible performances the last couple of years, and this year especially, all the way down to 20.4. Czech Republic will be at 20.1, and Greece, assuming Olympiakos doesn't get another draw or win, will be at 19.8. So we, we are currently sitting in the 19th position starting next season. As of the win we just had, uh, in the first leg, we were sitting at 17th. So we're in a little bit better position. We've dropped now. So this is going to make it more difficult for us to catch Switzerland in that 15th position next year to secure us that second Champions League or potential Champions League spot. That's what this is about. Now, if things can go our way this next leg, you know, maybe we draw uh, a Croatian team or uh, the Czech team. Maybe we draw young boys or something like that, and it becomes a zero-sum game. We're successful, and we can catapult in the standings. Now, all of a sudden, we've set Greece up into a better position to get that second coveted Champions League spot for the future. That's what this is all about. It's looking forward. So let's hope that, one, for Libyakos' sake, that we continue to go forward. It's more money for us, more recognition for us. But also for Greece, as a side note, that we can elevate the coefficient. And we say this, obviously, look, we care about Libyakos. We want to win as a Libyakos fans. But the job just makes it harder for us if the coefficient drops. And that has to concern everyone a little bit. Because we've already said it. Epo doesn't make our lives easier. They never have. So do you guys really want to go into a preseason or go into an already really long season? with four qualifying rounds leading into Champions League? Are you guys really looking forward to playing eight games in the summer before we start our seasons? Not me. I have to say that qualifying for the Champions League, I think if you start early on in those like early rounds and you make it to the group stage, it really means that you deserve to be there. 
we played Omonia this year and we played crap against them in both games. I don't think our team was Champions League material this season. I think we would have got more points for the coefficient as well in the Europa League. Anyway, that's kind of a different discussion. This year, it was important for us to be in the Champions League because we needed the money because of COVID, because no fans are in the stadium. It was clearly for financial reasons. And okay, it is what it is. Um, I don't know. I don't see it as such a bad thing. I think we're also, I mean, Olympiakos has been carrying the Greek coefficient alone however many years now. I can't even remember. Um, in the end, we have big squads as well. I think we've learned to, to, uh, to ha- particularly this year that we play every three days. We have big squad. We can rotate. I don't see it particularly as such a bad thing, though I see, of course, how it can have an impact on a preseason. Um, I think the real risk is not being able to attract players to, to Greece anymore. It's already I also, hard. I also want to give a shout out to person on a selfish level, like in the summer, I really enjoy those summer games, especially when you can travel to, to Greece a bit easier. A lot of people go in the summer. It's really easy to catch a game. Then I know a lot of people aren't around in the country during the, the fall, winter, spring. So, I don't know. It's another way for people to see Olympiakos games. And personally, when I'm on vacation and it's a long day at the beach, you go to the bar, Olympiakos is on TV, Champions League qualification. It's nice. Okay. <laughs> That's just a selfish thing. So I also see some positives in it, but they're very selfish positives. I I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's just best for for all of Greece. And hopefully Panathinaikos can get back into Europe as much as there are rivals, hopefully they can maybe start picking up the slack because they're the only other team in Greece that's ever shown historically they've been able to do so. More games and more qualification rounds also means more opportunity for more points for the coefficient. Like if we, we look at it that way as well. Also more chances for injury. Touche. I don't know. I'm feeling good about it going forward, the, the coefficient. I don't know. I think things are on the up. Overall, we, we can have a discussion. Like a- Anyway, we can talk about this another time, but I feel like things are on the way up. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I personally, I think I agree more with Adi. Like, I'd prefer to avoid these games, but they do have some value, like, especially when you're trying to, you know, get the team to build together. I think that was important in uh, in the, the 2019 campaign when we had a lot of new players, like, Ba getting some run in, but... I think in the long term, like imagine, yeah, if we were just playing and then like Socrates just died like on the pitch, like just tore his ACL or something, it would be it would be rough. But anyway, uh, that's about all we have uh, for today. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, this one will be up there, uh, especially if you made it this far. Feel free to continue to interact with us on social media, Gate7INTL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. Uh, you know, subscribe and like on YouTube as well. If you want to see our beautiful faces with our, our fun backgrounds and uh, yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed the game. Good vibes only. No, no negativity, no Martins being sacked. I don't want to hear any of that. Let's enjoy the win. Let's enjoy Hassan. It was a, a roller coaster of a game, but we, we came out on top and we're into the Europa League round of 16. This is a great accomplishment and we'll see who we get. I'm really excited for for the next Europa League round. So with that, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Zay Elias episode that comes out tomorrow. And we will see you very soon.